Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. So welcome, welcome, Dr. Leica. I appreciate you being here. Um, first off, why don't we kick off with you giving a little bit of background of uh, who you are, why you, and what you do, and why you're doing the things you're doing. Well, my life has changed a lot over the years, Sturdy. I, I started off as one of the world-leading cosmetic doctors. I was a cosmetic dermatologist, and I was at the top of my craft for 30 years. So I led the pack in a lot of the things that are being done in this day and age. Uh, Botox, fillers, lasers, all the toys that we had, all the beautiful things that we had. I was either at the start of them or I helped initiate them into this modern world that we have today. So I'm very proud and pleased with what I was able to do with the track. But, you know, my life changed in 2003, as you know, because of something drastic that happened in my life. I was walking with my wife in Disneyland and she turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you? You know, for once in my life, Sturdy, I I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't even thought anything wrong. But she persisted. What's wrong with you? So I looked at her. I said, what do you mean there? She said, listen to your foot. And I said, what do you mean, listen to your foot? That's the funniest. She said, well, listen to it. Well, my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. It was slapping on the pavement with each step you're taking. Now, Sturdy, your foot is designed to lift up with each step. My foot wasn't doing it. So she said, did you have a stroke? I said, dear, if I had a stroke, I'd be lying on the pavement right now saying something unimaginable. And she said, when you get back, you better get this checked out. Sturdy, when you're given that ultimate matum from your significant other, what do you do? You do it. Yeah, you do it. If you know what's good for you, you know what to do. So I got back and I saw dozens of doctors and that lent to hundreds of doctors. They did every test known to man. They did brain scans. They did cat scans. They even did scan scans. And you know what they showed at the end of the day? Not much. Absolutely nothing. The doctors were befuddled. They thought I had a brain tumor or I had a slip disc or something they could nail it on. Now, you know, when doctors don't find anything, they do more tests and more tests and more tests. I think they even invented some tests just to do tests back then. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, there still was nothing. So they got together as a group and they said, we're going to send you to a world leading neurologist. Now, a neurologist is the brain guy. He's got the answers to all these puzzles. So they sent me to this guy and I walked in and I said, hi. He said, hi back. You better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? I've got a dropped right foot. He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Get your affairs in order. You're going to be dead in six months. I I was taken aback, sturdy. I said, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? They said, he said, yes, of course, on autopsy. (laughs) You know, I I shot back. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. (laughs) But you know, you go through this and life slaps you in the face. You go through the phases of death and dying that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote in her book on death and dying. You go through anger. 
Why? You're angry at the world. You've been told the diagnosis. So you're angry. I was angry at my wife. I was angry at my staff. I was angry at my children. I was angry at my patients. But, you know, I couldn't tell them what was going on because they'd abandoned me. You know, you go through bargaining. Oh, God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. You go through denial. Denial is where you deny you have anything. So I'd work 12, 14, 24 hours. I tried to get it all in and I denied it. But, you know, my right hand started not working properly either. So I couldn't hold the surgical instruments that I did. But, you know, I was smart, sturdy. I learned to be left-handed. So I adapted totally 180 degrees to being a left-handed surgeon. Now that was tough because there weren't even the instruments invented back then for being a left-handed surgeon. So I invented them. I went to the machine shop. I said, I need this in its opposite mirror image fashion. And they helped me with it. They helped me invent scissors. They helped me invent other things for a left-handed doctor. And then you go through depression. Sturdy, have you ever been depressed? It, it is one. Oh, I'm sure ones. we've all gone through episodes. <laughs> well, episodes, but what Especially about business owners, entrepreneurs? <laughs> exactly. And that's why I, I want everybody to listen. Depression is the worst. That's when you lose your purpose in life. That's when you can't do anything. You know, you can lay in bed all day, staying at the scene saying, it doesn't matter. Life has kicked me in the teeth. I can't do anything. It's gonna... So I was going to end up killing myself sturdy because I wasn't going to die gasping for air like I saw people do with ALS. It wasn't something that was going to happen. But before that happened, I went to my wife and I said, wife, what do I have? She says, dear, I haven't got the faintest idea, she said. But she said, you're smart. You'll figure it out. And I said, dear, I've seen hundreds of doctors. They couldn't figure it out. She said, perhaps you haven't found the right doctor yet. Brilliant advice. And so something new was invented in the early 2000s, Sturdy. You might have heard about it. It's called the internet. <laughs> you ever hear of that beast? Yeah, I think we might be yeah, using exactly. it right now. Exactly. Well, back in the early 2000s, for those that are younger out there, you used to have to use dial-on connections. And you'd put your phone on a cradle and it would go for 15 minutes or so. And if it didn't disconnect, you'd finally get to the other side and communicate. And our computers back then had no memory. So you had to use a language like DOS or something like that to communicate because you couldn't communicate otherwise. Now, I had friends that were nerds. They helped me get to the other side. But the problem with the internet then, as it is now, is it's like the world's best library full of garbage cans. And you can't tell the garbage cans from the great resources that are there. They look indistinguishable. But I was persistent. And I found a doctor in Colorado Springs by the name of David Martz. And he had a story very similar to mine, but much different. He got worse much more rapidly. And he was on his deathbed. And doctors from around the world were coming to say goodbye to him. And they came and a doctor from Texas came up, a Dr. Harvey, a Dr. Harvey. And he looked at David and he said, David, I don't think you have ALS. I don't think you have Lou Gehrig's disease. 
David whispered, because that's all they could do at that time. Mm -hmm. He said, what do I have? The doctor from Texas says, I think you've been bitten by a tick and it's causing chronic Lyme's disease and it's mimicking ALS. So he said, if I start you on treatment, I can make you better. David said, well, what do I have to lose? I'm dying. Sure. So he started him on treatment. And within two weeks, he was like Lazarus arising from the dead. He was back to his whole normal activity. So I got in touch with David. He was at the Methodist Hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we talked for hours. And he invited me down to see him. And I went to And we talked. And he said, Dr. Leica, I think history is repeating itself. I think I can make you better. So he started me on treatment. And that's why I was able to continue as a top cosmetic surgeon for over 30 years at the top of my craft, doing all the things that I did and all the things that I was able to do until I walked away in 2019 to help people more. And I wrote a best-selling book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And there it is. Love it. The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And then I uh, wrote, I did a podcast called How to Live a Fantastic Life, which became a syndicated radio show, which now has 3 million listeners a month. So my life is different, but I'm still helping people just like I was before, but now I'm helping them more in the headspace and helping them develop their businesses and helping them get to another level that they need to be at. And I think the world needs a lot of help right now, Sturdy. I'll tell you, every day there's doom and gloom. <laughs> Always does. And if we're, if we, if we're not yeah. careful, we're going to talk ourselves into a recession very soon. But, you know, every day, the other day, 12 consecutive stories on the news were negative. I mean, that, that's got to be, that, that even beats COVID days where everything was going to die and the sky was going to fall and the world's going to end tomorrow. Now it's even more bleak. <laughs> well, you, you list um, some lessons along with your co-author of things that you kind of went back and figured out and learned with this, with your experience and then also hers, which was also a harrowing experience for those who want to check out the book. Um, Harriet Tinka is the co-author um, and she experienced some terrible stuff, but y'all came together with these lessons for us. Um, what's your kind of biggest favorite, and I'm guessing it's probably the one you led with, but uh, you, you why, know, why my, you fa my, favorite, my favorite one is love, but behind all the lessons is number one, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a very, very fundamental statement of life. And I think everybody needs to take that to heart. That was a statement from Epictetes who wrote that over 2,000 years ago. Now, Epictetes was a Greek slave that became a free man because of the results of his actions. And he found a school of philosophy called Sophism, which is a very important philosophy. But at the heart of it, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. So I want everybody to listen. 100% of what happens to you is your responsibility. It's not that you're going to be a person that lies down and is a victim. Everything you do matters. 
So you've got to make the right decisions. You got to use the right things. You got to move forward. But if you, and you are responsible for it. And in your business, you're responsible for it. In your life, you're responsible for it. And every day you have to take those steps to become that way. You know, my number one pearl is love. And the reason it's number one is it may be cliche to say so, but love makes the world go round. Love does make the world go round. And I was talking to someone on my podcast the other day who was in a little town in Oshawa, Ontario, and he was going around with the mayor of the city. And they walked in and there was the janitor, the custodian there. And everybody looked to deference to him. They, they like put him on a pedestal. And they said, why is it? They said, why is this guy so important? Is it because everybody went to school here? And, and the janitor said, no, it's because everybody I meet, I treat with complete love. I love everybody. And if you go in with love to everybody, can you picture how the world would be a better place and how the world would change? And I'm going to read a quote at the beginning of the, of the uh, chapter. And every one of our chapters begins with a quote. It says, I believe that dreaming is stronger than reality. Desire is more potent than apathy. Hope is more powerful than despair. Joy always triumphs over sorrow. That laughter is the ultimate cure for man's foibles. And I believe that love is stronger than hate, the greatest gift of all. How do I know? I've been fortunate to experience them all. Okay. And I would like everybody to take that to heart. Love is a very, I don't care if you're in business or you're or in your family, if you start every day with love and love thoughts, your life is going to change. Your world is going to change. Your everything is going to be a better place. And unfortunately, sturdy right now, I see too much hate in the world. I see too much anger in the world. I see all those emotions that I didn't like in the world. And I think we got to move away from that. Well, it kind of goes back to your theme of what you do with it, what ha not what it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with it, where a lot of the hate, a lot of the things going on in the world, people are pointing fingers at other people and blaming them. Whereas if they, as you said, take responsibility, decide to take action, you know, control what you can control. And I, that's a, you know, that's a huge lesson for entrepreneurs and business owners as well. We can control what we can control and we have to let go of a lot of other things that are outside of our control, maybe try to adapt to it, understand, anticipate what's going to happen. but. We can only control what we can control. Um, but I want to focus on two, two of, you have 13 golden pearls. I want to focus on two of them though, because we don't, if, ever, if you want, if you want all 13, you got to go get Dr. Leica's book. Okay. <laughs> but the, uh, there were two that stood out to me that really relate to some of the things I do and some of the things that I think are really relevant to business owners. Um, and the first one is intention or purpose. And, uh, you know, the way we, way I frame that and we work on that is with a higher purpose, the reason your business exists and the reason your business exists beyond a profit, because every business needs to make a profit. And we understand that it's not, 
it's not there solely to make money. If it were, then we'd all be in, you know, foreign exchange or finance or somewhere. We wouldn't be doing all the different things we're doing, especially in healthcare, right? So can you talk a little bit about discovering your purpose, your intention, and what people might do and how that might relate to their vocation, their business, their profession, what they're doing on a regular basis? You know, in my chapter on purpose, I talk about a Japanese concept called Ikigai. And most people on this call will not have heard of that, but it's a very, very well, all of concept. my clients, all of all of my clients will have. <laughs> we, 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 we use that. We go into that quite a bit. I, I'm so glad because this is so important. You know, this is four interacting circles overlapping like in a Venn diagram. And in the first circle, it's that which you love. The second circle is that what you're uh, good at. The third circle is that with what the world needs. And the last one is what you can be paid for. Now, when you overlap that which you love with that which the world needs, that's your mission. When you overlap that which you love with that which you're good at, that's your passion. If you overlap that's what you're good at with that you can be paid for, that's your profession. And if you overlap that which the world needs with that which you can be paid for, that's your vocation. And when you interact all of these things, it's your ikigai. So if you spend your time wisely, you will list the things you love. Perhaps you're a concert pianist. Perhaps you're, you're an accountant like Harriet was. Perhaps you're a doctor like I was. Well, that's what I love to do. You know, what you're good at. Well, hopefully those two overlap, but they don't necessarily do that. You know, you can have a love of being a pianist and, a pianist and suck at playing the piano. Well, unfortunately, you're not going to make it in that field, but I was good That's at That's me on the racetrack. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, you've got to have the two overlap, you know. If you are good at something that which the world needs, that's really important because you can start thinking about making some money there because that is very important. And finally, if you can overlap all these things and make it your icky guy. So spend some time writing lists, that which you love, with that which you're good at, that which the world needs, that which you can be paid for. And then think for a while, which of those really vibrate with you, which those that resonate with you, those that really hit hard with you, because if they do, that's where you'll have a beautiful day. You know, the old saying, if you do what you love, you never have to work a day in your life. This is where it all comes together. And, and you do that, you never have to work because every day is play. Every day is fun. Yeah, even when it's hard, right? You're still pursuing your passion. You're still doing the things that you love. It's why, I mean, I'm doing my retirement job now, you know, way early, way before retirement, but loving it and loving, you know, just excited to get up every day and do work with clients and do the things I do. Um, I want to point out one thing that you just said, though, that I real I've seen people do it backwards. So if you if you look up Ikigai, it's I-K-I-G-A-I. Um, there's a great, actually, there's a great Venn diagram and from the Toronto Sun Star that, sh that shows it. Um, and you 
make your list, as Dr. Leica pointed out, but make each list independently, okay? And that's why I kind of joked about the track and driving on the track or playing soccer. I was good at soccer, but not good enough anybody was going to pay me for it, right? I, I, I love driving fast and going to the track with my car. Nobody's ever going to pay me for it. I'm not that great at it. You know, I'm, I'm focused on safety and, <laughs> and speed so I can come home, but it's fun. Right, so you're going to have things on the things you love to do on your passions that aren't going to intersect with everything else. And for those business owners, when you're really thinking about that part of your company and your organization and what it exists, I find that what the world needs might be a little bit too big, that if you can focus in on what your target customer needs and desperately desires, that you can really figure out something around, not just your own personal purpose, but that for your organization, for your business. Yeah, that's huge. And I, I would encourage all your listeners to pay attention to that. And in my chapter, I think it's chapter seven, there is a nice diagram of Icky Guy for anybody that picks up my book. And uh, we go through it in some depth. Also, there's the comments that Harriet and I made to each other as we were writing this book. So you get a good idea, like being a fly on the wall when we were writing this. So it gives you some more insight into this, this interesting little book. And the chapter that follows that, you listed non-negotiables yeah. and um, self-respect being among them. But uh, talk about that for a minute, and I want to relate that back to, to the business side as well. You know, we rank this book as a self-help book. So we wrote it for a very fundamental purpose as people to get self-help and Non-negotiables is traditionally a business topic. The things you'll never negotiate in your book, in your life to make your business go sour. But really, this is a concept that has to transcend that and go into your life as well. And everybody should have a list of non-negotiables and other things, things they will never negotiate on at any time, no matter what happens. You know, and that is is really, really important to 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 get the gist of this. And everybody needs to write a list of this and think about this and do things with it, because otherwise there's no meaning, no purpose to your business without non-negotiables. It is truly the essence of everything you need to do. And everything you need to do is at the heart of non-negotiables. Well, so the way what resonated with me on that was we, as part of the vision, we work on core values and the core values are those things where they are, they're the non-negotiables, they're the right, wrong. They are the things that you, um, well, we have challenge questions, right? Would you forego income? Would you spend money on correcting it? If someone was violating it, would you, uh, you know, let someone go or confront them if they were violating the core values? And when I, when I talk about that, the core values, then these non-negotiables are things like um, do good by putting patients first or uh, communicate to understand, ensure clarity, engage with candor, those types of things where they are, these are the rules we live by, everybody in your organization. And they're not aspirational. This is, uh, that's why I like your terminology of non-negotiables because they're not aspirational. Too many businesses will write out values that are, that, that are nice to have, that they want to do someday, but they're not really holding the line on them. And I, I really re resonated and related to the core values of being non-negotiable and the way you represented it for individuals. So I, I couldn't agree more that you need those 
in your life and not just not just think about them, but actually declare them, write them down, document them, commit to it, and use that as a touchstone for yourselves. Yeah, and you know, I wrote down in my uh, core list is the 13 golden pearls. So that might help stir some some thought and things like that for people if they do want to follow those. I think these yeah. are are pillars for you to build your life and your business on and if you will that will help you um you know it's interesting we had a huge recession and we had covid but you know the hard rock cafe has survived for like 30 years because it had a core set of values that it started way back when in the 19 60s or or yeah i think it was 60s that they they really did mm -hmm. and they came up with this set of principles love all serve all take time to be kind save the planet and all is one now that carried them through covid that carried them through everything else and that carried them through multiple recessions that we've had since the 1960s. That is, is what it's about. Those were non-negotiables to them. Those were the things they put fundamentally on their list. And those were things that they felt were so important for them. Now, you should also have a set of what I'd call a principle of that you should live by. And if you do that, it's important. Like my friend Jack Canfield has, his purpose in life is to inspire and empower people to live their highest vision in a context of love. Mine is similar, similar to that. My life purpose is to empower people to live their best lives in a context of enthusiasm, laughter, love, thankfulness, and happiness. So those are some of my basic principles that I do all the time when I'm interacting with people. So I'm hoping that when people get away from this uh, show, they will think of some of those principles and maybe they'll listen to them and maybe they'll act on them. I'm hoping at the end of the day, this will have a positive impact on people and just in a baby step towards changing something in their business or in their life to make it that much better. You know, I so know so many businesses where they're so successful, but the business owners are miserable in what they do. You know, they've found how to make money, but they haven't found how to live. That to me is sad. That to me is terribly sad. Uh, it's just not the way it should be. I, could, I couldn't agree more. And if, if you're finding yourself, you're listening to this and you're finding yourself kind of relating to that, I've been there so many of us have been there but that going back to the beginning you can take action there are things that you can control one of those is those non-negotiables the core values which are really the underpinning of your culture and the people you surround yourself with and the people you select because ultimately you're trying to build a team i saw that now maybe a profound saying from the back of a sweatshirt right one of the baseball games one of the dads had a sweatshirt on that said you are who you hire so think about that for a second. 
we need to work on ourselves first. Dr. Leica's book can certainly help with that. Put your own mask on first. But then the team you build, you're responsible, and your your business is who you hire. Exactly. And, you know, for goodness sake, for anybody listening here, coaching is the shortest step to get to where you want to be if, if you want to get there. For goodness sake, hire a good coach. You know, I, I wouldn't think Tiger Woods would have ever been what he was without the coaches he had, you know. And, you know, you look at every special athlete. Every one of them has coaches. Without that, they would never be where they are today. Well, the Warriors, I'm in San Francisco. They just won the championship. They had their parade and celebration. And on the stage, when they brought up the coaches and introduced them, there were 12 coaches, I think, that we counted. And there are 16 players. So... And, and know, that's I, just, I, that's just the coaches for Steph that Curry team. Needs a coach. Yeah. What, what about, oh, right, the, right, right. Exactly. what about the junior system and the development system and the whole thing that Absolutely. has taken that franchise to where it is? You know, it's, it's crazy how many they need to get there. And, and, you know, they need a video coach. They need a, a coach to break down every play. And, and when something goes wrong in the first game, they have to come up with coaches to, to come up with plans to break down. They can do to, to stop the other team and to stop this action and to Absolutely. do this action. And it, it, it really is, is an interesting thing. And it really makes the, well, it, you know, once I was to a professional baseball game and I had the pleasure, uh, my friend took me to the broadcast studio for it. And, you know, these announcers for a baseball game are always saying statistics about this baseband and this. They have 17 people in that room whispering statistics to them all the time, telling them <laughs> what, what this guy did and what school he did, where he trained. And, you know, this is the, the thing that happens in the real world. The behind, behind the scenes that we haven't got any idea. Well, it's a great point, though. If Steph Curry needs a coach and Clay Thompson needs a coach, and you mentioned Tiger Woods needs coaches, Serena Williams needs coaches. I mean, yeah, you can be at the top of your game, and they still, uh, what was it? I had somebody kind of say, well, they, they didn't need a coach. They don't talk to their coaches. Like Serena got in trouble talking to her coach during a match. <laughs> Not even off the court. So there's always that kind of second set of eyes, the feedback, the experience, the ability to give you to hold a mirror up. So yeah, I would encourage in whatever you're doing, whether that's business or life, that you have somebody that you can rely on. We have time for our two-minute well, story. Please. Okay. I want to teach everybody one lesson that's going to carry them through their life for the rest of their life. There was a carpenter and his name was Fred. And he had worked for the same company for 45 years and he was tired. He was done. He couldn't do it anymore. So he went to his boss and said, boss, I'm done. And he threw his keys on the desk and said, I'm out of here. The boss was taken aback. He said, oh my God, Fred, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. So he thought for a minute and said, Fred, can you just do one more thing for me before you leave? Fred said, of course, I've loved it here. This has been the only job I've ever worked at. The boss said, build me just one more house. You're my master carpenter. Only you have the skills to do that. Fred begrudgingly said yes. 
And he dragged his ass to work every day. And he barely got the house done. And at the end, a miracle happened. It passed uh, inspection. So he went back to his boss. And again, he threw his keys on the desk and said, I'm done. He said, hold it, Fred. We're going to have a party. So they popped the champagne. They had the caviar. And they just had a great party. And then the boss said, everybody gather around. I have a little speech to give said, today is Fred's happiest day and my saddest day, he said. But I've got a present for Fred. Fred, here's the keys to the last house you ever built. Live it in all the enthusiasm that you've given me for all those years. Now, the reason I tell you this, Dirty, is enthusiasm is not a Monday thing. It's not a Tuesday thing. It's not a Friday thing. You bring it to the act every day, and that's your secret weapon to make it happen. And if you bring it there, just like the basketball team there, that's what makes the day. You don't play 50% of your game. You don't play 70% of your game. You play 100% of your game, and you do it with enthusiasm. You do it if you're hurting. You do it if you have a migraine. You do it if you're, if you're having problems. And if you do... That's the secret sauce to make everything happen in your favor. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for being here, Dr. Like, I really appreciate it. You know, it's my pleasure. And if I can be of further service to your audience, I have a website, Dr. D-R-A-L-L-E-N, Lyka, L-Y-C-K-A.com. And I have a special gift for everyone there. If you go there and sign up, you will get us a, a golden pearl every week of your life so it'll help you get through the the stuff that's happening out there it'll help you get through the forest and i'll just as if i can help you in any other way please let me know appreciate it appreciate it we need all the help we can get especially right now but thank you so much my pleasure sturdy i love to be on shows like this and i love to help Thank you for listening.